You gotta have a podcast. 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 Hey guys, welcome back to You Gotta Have a Podcast, season two, the season of the swerve. I'm Angela Palladino, your host, and I have to admit to you that this is the second time I am recording the intro because I forgot to hit record and I did the whole thing. And now I'm here again trying to remember all the beautiful, witty, hilarious stuff I said last time. And it's it's just it's never quite like the first time, you know. Ah. <sighs> Thank you for joining me again on the show this week. I am so excited for you to hear the conversation I have with our guest today, who is a lovely and talented writer, director, and producer, and much, much more, Michelle O'Brien. Michelle and I get into directing, producing, and podcasting, and writing, and how visual and audio mediums interact and intertwine and are different and similar in many ways, and the importance of being a performance doula, and the importance of good storytelling structure. It's a truly wonderful conversation. I enjoyed it, certainly, and I hope that you do, too. Here is my conversation with Michelle O'Brien. I studied theater in like a liberal arts college. So I Mm -hmm. came out and like acting was the most, the thing that I did the most because you need more actors than you need directors, sound designers, whatever. Um, So I like really liked it. I did a lot of like Shakespeare and stuff, like classical things. Um, And so I I graduated and I was like, cool, I want to move to New York anyway. Like maybe I'll try my hand at this acting thing. Um, And, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. I still enjoy it, but like, I had a, like a week where I had like a series of three auditions that and one of them just broke me. And I was like, cool, my desire to do this professionally is absolutely gone. I never want to do this again in my life. <laughs> just like there was that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. Like I, I vividly remember leaving that audition and being like, hmm, I think I'm cured. I think I think <laughs> this is not for me. This like audition and getting cast path. It was it was probably to hear other people who I know and love who are actors and who are, mm-hmm. who do care more about it than me. Yeah. Um, like this seems like it was particularly bad, even in the grand scheme of things, but like, it was just a moment of like, Oh, there are people who are really good at this for whom this, for whom this is worth it. Yeah. And it's not worth it for me anymore. Great. Yeah. Let me take myself out of the pool. I had that same sort of uh, experience uh, when I just like had an, a, a bad audition that I, I like, it was fine. It wasn't that bad, but I just was like really disappointed in myself. And then I was like, I don't care enough about this to feel like this again. Yeah. Like, I really just don't like, <laughs> and also like, I don't know. I had like kind of a, a come to Jesus moment where I was like, I didn't even ever really want to be a performer myself. I always wanted to like be a writer and director. Yeah. And I just got into performing because it also was kind of part of learning everything. That's true. Yeah. Especially yeah. in the comedy world. I feel like you have to perform in order to like understand the mechanics of all of the. Yeah, exactly. Art. Did you ever do improv stuff? I did. I did. Yeah. The, I did the whole UCB thing for like. Three or four years, maybe even more on like an indie team. Yeah. Oh, and I enjoyed cool. it, but it was sort of like very lackadaisical always. It yeah. was like people who also were like actors doing it because their agents told them to do it. Um, yeah. Not that I had an agent, but like, so it was <laughs> not with people who were like real hardos. And so yeah. I feel like we, I never like 
that magic right. was few and far between. And then I was just like, oh, like, again, the same thing of like, I don't care enough about this. Other people care way more. I'd rather yeah. watch people do exactly. it. Exactly. Exactly. No, I know we met in sketch class, right? I forget what was it. Madeline Baldanzi's uh, advanced sketch. Yeah. yeah. The like genre. That class was fun. It was so fun. I loved that class. I forget what I did. Oh, my. Yeah, I did that laundry sketch. Oh, yeah. I, the, all like, I remember. Teen movie genre. <laughs> yeah, teen movie genre. All I remember was, um, who was it? Was it Brian who built that city out of cardboard? Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. For like that Godzilla one. That was so fucking funny. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Uh, great. Yeah, I we met in that sketch, sketch class. Yeah. And at that point, I'd been doing sketch for like a little while. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. What is like, were you, when you were acting and stuff, were you also kind of always writing kind of on the side for yourself? That's a really great question. Actually, the answer is no. So I was oh, always wow. directing. So I like, oh, cool. like did a lot of like theater directing stuff. And so directing in that world is like just the performance stuff, less of the like developing showrunner kind of thing that it is in the sketch world. Um, and so I knew I really liked being in rooms and like collaboration and stuff. And I really, really liked working with actors. But then I like, on a whim, I don't know, like 2015, 2016 was like, oh, I should write something. I should take a writing class. Why not? And I, then I just like fell hard and then just was like obsessive from that point on. I was like, oh, OK, it just like something clicked. And I was like, oh, writing. Of course, this is the thing you've been looking for. You've been looking for more control as an actor. You felt out of control. <laughs> like this is the way you do the thing you actually want to do. So that was kind Did of refreshing. Did you start with like having to write for like wanting to write for yourself as a performer and then transition? Or was it always like, I'm going to write things that are just like that story and maybe I'll be in it. Maybe I won't. It was usually the latter, actually, like which mm -hmm. is kind of funny thinking back because I, I, you're right. Like the usual path is like you start writing for yourself and then you're like, oh, maybe other people. But I always really wanted like to like write a thing and then watch somebody do it and like almost write and direct at the same time. Yeah. Um, I feel that I, uh, I similar. So I started uh, as a writer and director, just like in my, like professionally. Uh, and then I got into performing because I took improv classes to, uh, get better at writing sketch. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, it was, it was always more about like the story. I just, here, here's a question for you. I want to know how your brain works. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I like, full on like there's like a movie playing behind mm -hmm. my eyelids like I can just like see it and then you know the work is translating that onto the page yeah do you think that way too or are you more of like an outline figure it out as you go type person so I'm a bit of both like there are certain moments where I'm like I just I see this I I, I could direct it and film it mm -hmm. if I had the technical expertise I know exactly what it's supposed to look like oh shit how do I put it on the page but I also like I find that beyond a moment by moment level for like a whole story. I don't see it. I need to like do the work of like sitting down and really hashing something out to make it work, particularly for something like a pilot or like a play or something like that. I really yeah. need to know where it's going so I can like do the work up front. I'm, I am in awe of people who just like write and it flows out of them. That's just not yeah. my journey. 
Well, I need to, I like, I'm like, I can see the moments, like you said, yeah. I guess, but I, but like, uh, actually having a good structure, that's the thing that I like, I have to like sit down and be like, all right, what do I need here? What puzzle pieces am I missing? And that <laughs> makes a lot of sense to me for you because you are like a writer director and in the film world. So like you do mm-hmm. think very cinematically, that makes perfect sense to me that that's a strength yeah. of yours. I just like, oh, it would be so cool if we did this. And, oh man. So I don't know if uh also it was literally like four years ago when we had that class together but one of my biggest notes always is um like for sketch classes is all of my pitches are just like a moment that I think is really funny and then I'm like and then I could build a game out of that and and it's usually like this is happening but this song is playing and then this person says this and it's funny and I've gotten the note multiple times. It's like, that's not a pitch. <laughs> that's right. I'm like, okay, sure. But it could be. <laughs> it could be. Right. And I, I am the same way. I think like being in, on a consistent sketch team and like hearing people who are more sketch brained pitch yeah. all the time. I was like, oh no, I got to get better at this. But like I've started now because I, my brain works very similarly to yours. Mm-hmm. It seems like I started now. <laughs> I have a list in my phone of like sketch ideas, scene ideas, like B plot that's- of a sitcom. Just like, like idea. things that I'm like, I know this is something. I know this is an image I love. I don't know what it is yet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm trying yeah, to be better that. actually that. is a good idea. I need to like separate the list. Because it's hard because especially when you're pitching a sketch and especially when you're pitching a sketch like for like once a month bringing in 10 pitches or whatever. Yeah. It's like very, very difficult to be like, okay. Yeah, when you get down actually- to like pitch like eight, nine, ten, it's just like half idea <laughs> this is a pun maybe i can be, maybe i can make a costume um, yeah. yeah it's very very like usually in a pitch i'm like mm, two of these are games yeah two of these and then like <laughs> then i'm like and i'll take that actor pitch <laughs> yeah um, that's good that's good that's are you still good. doing sketch stuff through the whole pandemic a little, a little bit so my mod yeah. team from last year um grown-ass women we've like Mm -hmm. done a weekly hangout for most of the pandemic oh cool very not creatively focused more just like therapy for each other when you put a bunch of women in their 30s on the same sketch team that's kind of what it turns into which has been a delight um and we've done a couple we did a couple of like digital shows and we did one in-person show like in july um but like it's i haven't felt very funny yeah i mean so i just feel like yeah, I my whole like a lot of the reason why I decided to start because I always knew I wanted to do a second season of this podcast, but I wasn't sure when. Um, and the, one of the reasons I wanted to, to have these conversations right now is because I'm like, I don't feel funny, but I know that I am funny. Like right. When I chat with people and I'm hanging out, I can make jokes. Exactly. But it's like when I sit down to think of things it just isn't coming out <laughs> yeah and then i get on twitter and i feel even more depressed so it's like <laughs> exactly. it's such a fucking vicious cycle because it's like you're like i know it's in there and then it's yeah. like you can but when you try to force it that's also really bad because then you're like this is this is the same thing like this is a half idea or like this is a funny hat yeah <laughs> so all of my pitches are funny hats this week um, um we're just a, gonna have to go with a hat show pitch hat show um i got nothing else there's the beret sketch there's the derby sketch uh maybe a my gallon. boogie team did a whole themed show around a pun uh a couple of years <laughs> we, we did an entire show we did a halloween theme show that was it was like Phantom of the Opera theme. I, oh, my God. I forget oh what my the God, pun I was. And that. I played the Phantom of the Opera. Wow. How dare. It was great. 
<laughs> because there was like seven or eight runners like in every time <laughs> I would just come out and kill someone. <laughs> that was the runner. <laughs> that's very fun. I that's the perfect role in a sketch. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> yeah. And I guess I am I am directing speaking of boogie. I'm directing a boogie team, which is like a fun oh, way for great. me to like keep my foot in. I like yeah. subbed for someone. Well, I'm 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 a long term sub nice. for a boogie team. You're basically you're the director now. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> They're very fun. I'm very excited. But Which yeah, team are you directing for? Division Four athletes. Okay, I think I know. They have had so much turnover. I think they're. Oh, really? So probably I don't. Yeah, in- I uh, I quit right when I was like already planning to quit when the pandemic happened in uh, March was supposed to be my last show <laughs> and then oh, never so you never got it <laughs> yeah <laughs> no. and so I'm like I don't really know what's going on over there anymore so yeah. I, you know, I still know some people that are doing it but yeah they've been doing so it's funny to see sort of like people using it as like a creative home and like it feels very mm-hmm. like at least the team that I was directing it feels like a very like safe comforting space to create in where everyone's like Mm -hmm. no fucking pressure we're doing this on our phones everyone's got a green screen it's fine yeah like it feels true you can kind of like mess around a bit more because no one expects like anything of you so you can like take risks exactly and like i've done so many digital shows and for all of them like i have to keep reminding myself like this is a show on the internet that maybe 20 people will see it doesn't matter like use this as an exercise for yourself maybe that's me being rude to an audience but i feel like (laughs) <laughs> i don't know it's it's I hard mean, to do anything right now it is it is and i think like honestly just showing up is <laughs> half the battle truly really, i would <laughs> so, so much I, rather be in my bed uh, yeah. the good thing about digital shows is you can do them from your bed oh this is what i'm saying i think <laughs> i think broadway should go digital i think we should all I think be taking hamilton i would hamilton love to bed. see like uh, actually we have seen that though we have seen a zoom version of every broadway medley oh over my the god last. <laughs> these they're they're just singing and dancing their hearts out i mean yeah. i love it i guess broadway is back though hadestown had a show last night i, I am seeing a broadway show tonight oh my god what are you seeing i'm seeing passover the play oh, i've not heard of that one yeah it's um uh yeah it's a play it's at lincoln center theater they, they did cool. it in their off-broadway space last season i guess to great to rave reviews and they're reviving it that's so exciting. Yeah, it's the only show on Broadway right now. We're like wow. one of two. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. I know. Yeah, I haven't seen anything. I did see Jacqueline Novak's one woman show twice. Oh, she's so <laughs> fucking good. That show she's makes so me so happy. I'm just, I was sitting there the whole time, jaw to the floor, just like, oh my God, this is like, my brain was just like fireworks. It was just like, poosh, poosh, it's poosh. so freaking smart. I love it's it. so smart. I, love I was it. just also like, uh, I was like, well, these references, I was just eating them up. I was like, some of this shit I never expected to hear in a dick joke. Yeah. Oh, 100%. <laughs> did you, so did you see it in her like recent tour post pandemic? Yeah. Not I never got a chance to see it before yeah. the pandemic. So cool. then when she came back, I saw it. I bought tickets immediately. It was yeah. the first thing that I saw. And then I like saw it again, like two weeks later. That's I amazing. was like, I'm going again. I don't care. <laughs> I, I will that. spend the $75. <laughs> she's it. a genius. She really I do. Is. I think that they're taping it. I think she's gearing up to probably film it for like a special. Great. Which uh, is wonderful because then the whole world will get to experience th- that genius. <laughs> yeah. I'm so excited. Oh, yeah. That's great. Um, has has directing over digital been like creatively fulfilling or for you in like a new way? So 
Yes and no, right? So on the one hand, so I've done some like sketch directing and also some theater directing. My friend, uh, both through like this company called Seven by Seven that does these like little short play, like micro festivals. Yeah. Um, And they transferred online. And then also my friend Jesse has a theater company that they were like, how do we make a pandemic safe theater world? She's like a musical theater writer and composer. Yeah. So like, it's been cool because I'm like, oh, to make this play in a bathroom work, I have to like use different camera angles. I'm like, oh, can mm-hmm. your friend do a tracking shot? And how do we figure out how to make this happen? So that's been new for me because I come from like a stage world. Yeah, I was going to say, you're just, you know, film directing at that point. <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> and on the other hand, it's like annoying because I'm like, cool, like now I, I will teach you how to turn off your ambient sound on Zoom. So the Zoom play, you can sound like you have overlapping dialogue. And I hate that I know how to do that now. It's just like, it's very sad to not be in the same room as people and to like be rolling yeah. around on the floor and be like, do it like this. Yeah. Um, Especially yeah. for theater stuff. Yeah. But I also think the sketch stuff has been really nice because mm-hmm. I think because instead of like rehearsing on its feet, it's like you rehearse it and then people go away and film. Yeah. It feels a little bit more like like the thing that I don't miss about being on a sketch team and writing sketch regularly is the schedule of it. The like it's insane. The pace of like six hours of rehearsal a week and then you're also writing four drafts. Yeah. It's absolutely insane. Um and I think this digitally it sort of like eases the pressure a little bit. Yeah. Which is nice. And it really is. I look back at my sketch schedule before even the because I was doing sketch and stand up and like some other stuff too and i'm just like how was i doing that i don't know it was just every night you know exactly every night and it's sort of like it felt like if you weren't putting up the little like graphic with your show dates for the month like good god i hope i never have to make a show date graphic again right i hope that like next time i have to do that i at least have like someone on my team to make it for Mm. me (laughs) oh that's that's a vision board worthy (laughs) you know yeah picking the fucking picture but typing like, it into like canva this venue has a weirdly long name how do i format that oh my god yeah it's like you gotta abbreviate it yeah. <laughs> not good not good yeah it's just I like the, i don't miss the grind bit of it and it's coming back a little bit which is driving me crazy it is i'm honestly like hoping that things shut down again <laughs> yeah, just no i'm not i think out. everything is good I it know. is interesting though so i'm directing a comedy a stand-up special cool uh for streaming um in november and we had like our walkthrough this week and we're it's just like so weird to be like okay like we're packing a venue but like everyone's gonna have their masks on and like also this is in november so maybe it won't happen and (laughs) it's just it's a crazy world for live shows right now how do you plan for something like that like in the in the production kind of world what are you guys doing what do you what are your contingency Um, plans or is it just sort of like it's just a lot of like fingers crossed a lot well like everything can be done it's just like everyone has to have a vaccine everyone's getting tested when they arrive like we have to pay so it's a lot more money um and also the crews are smaller because you want to limit the number of people so like everyone is doing like three jobs again getting paid the same that they were before but then a bunch of extra money is going to covid protocols and (laughs) it's kind of chaos and like, you know, everything that you can do outside, you're doing outside. It's it's um not ideal. Yeah, <laughs> it seems not ideal. Yeah. Just especially like especially the thing of like everyone is doing way more work and not getting paid. I imagine that 
is yeah. really shitty, especially coming from like, the, we all thought this was going to be some reckoning where we give each other more breaks and we're kinder to one another. In Absolutely the not. No, no. Yeah. Uh, it is. It is like also with production stuff, it is like the budgets are smaller um, because they're the same budgets. But now you have to spend a bunch of extra money on COVID protocols instead right. of just giving us extra money for the COVID protocols. And then um, and then the t- turnarounds are so tight. Really? Everyone is just like, I think it's because it's like there's a window right now. We have to do it right now. Um, so oh, it's been a. Uh, Fine, but you know what? I'm grateful to have work because I didn't work for like eight months of last year. So. Yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> but like, when is that? When are they, when are like production companies and like the, the money people going to use up that goodwill, like use up that thing of like, I'm just grateful for work. I mean, it's already happening, yeah. I think. But like, what are you? Gonna I do? don't know. I think ever, also everyone has just sort of decided that we're done with the pandemic. You know, for more lack of a better term, I mean, I haven't, but like a lot of people have just been like, things are normal. And I'm like, well, no, we're just operate anyway. Right. No, I, I fully hear that's awful. I've been in a really yeah. lucky position to be able to like work from my house this whole yeah. time. So, so I'm curious, how did you get into like podcast producing? Yeah, and that sort of whole world. So I, um, uh, for like for many, many years, for like 10 years, my day job has been as a SAT tutor, which is oh, like cool. fine and flexible and like, you know, it's yeah. a way to make money. Um, and so a couple of years ago, I was like, I, I'm sick of this. I feel like more like I'm in a moral quandary about it. Like it's mm-hmm. actively not hurting, but not helping the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to switch day jobs. And so I um, a friend I knew through a theater program I had done. Mm-hmm. Um, worked for this podcast, this theater podcast called Playing on Air, which was like short plays on the radio. And I was like, cool. I feel like that feels like a good, like technical, but also creative kind of day job. Yeah. And it's only part time, but like, let me throw my hat in the ring and see. Um, yeah. And I ended up working there for two and a half years. And like, luckily, Great. like, it was a small team and very like theater forward, which is why I was able to get in the door. But I was also able to like learn pro tools on the job, sort of learn like the life cycle yeah. of a podcast, um, learn yeah. a little bit more about engineering. So it was like a really, really lucky kind of get that I got to learn on the job. And then I left that at the end of December this year. Um, like, so I worked there during the pandemic. We like switched uh-huh. everything from being in studio to like e- remote, remote shipping yeah, mics all over the country. <laughs> big old pain in the ass and then so since like march i have just had a pretty lucky steady stream of freelance clients and then i like got a part-time job at a podcast shop and so i've been like working pretty steadily and like getting to like be the lead producer on things which has been a very cool that's awesome shift. yeah so yeah that's great it's i feel very lucky but also like it's a cool evolution yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> I um I had never seen myself doing audio stuff because audio has always confused and baffled me. Even like I've been directing video and, and commercials for like a decade. But like I just hire good audio people and I'm like, please like do this. Exactly. I can I can edit all my I edit most of my stuff and then I send it off to someone for sound mixing. <laughs> like, I just like yep. make it sound good. Um, But then during the pandemic with I was like, I need to 
be able to edit audio. I just have to be better at recording my own and editing audio. So I was like, "Uh, you know what? I'm going to like teach myself so that I can apply for podcast jobs because there was no video jobs because no one could go on set. So then um, that last year, that was like a lot of, it's part of the reason why this podcast exists. It's part of the, I got, I got into, I do VO now. Cool. um, Which I was totally a coincidence. I've booked like some stuff through other ways. Like I was writing on a show where I was recording the scratch VO. I was writing on a show for the history channel. And then they had me record the scratch track VO uh, for the editors. And then they liked it so much that they just like hired me to re-record it cool. like, for, for uh, the actual episodes. Amazing. And um, and then that same production company did a commercial that they wanted to use me for. So like I've booked some things, but not through all the auditions that I go on all the time. So funny. <laughs> yeah, it, I feel like that's <laughs> always the way it happens, though. It's like, oh, right. Someone you worked with three years ago remembers you from this thing. Yeah, I feel like it's so weird. Every writing or directing gig I've ever gotten has been like through a connection from years ago or like I am. Um, I've almost never gotten. In fact, I I've have one example of one job one client that i've gotten through just sending them my stuff kind of randomly that's it everything else is just personal connections like i work with someone then they refer me to someone else do you find that with like mostly everything with theater 100 percent. i feel like i can trace all of my like now friends and collaborators the people who i'll say yes to without kind of reading their stuff to like (laughs) oh one summer's worth of one gig like, yeah, there's like a web from this one woman through all of that's that great. Stuff. You should send her a fruit basket. Honestly, I really should. Ari, if you're <laughs> out there, I'm here for you. Uh, fruit basket incoming. Um, <laughs> but yeah, for for podcast stuff, weirdly, like some a lot of it has come through connections. But like mm-hmm. one of my jobs, I applied through a portal, like an online portal. Yeah. I was like, who knows if this will ever come to fruition? And I got that's it. great, which is like. I was shocked. I was floored. Like throughout. Yeah, I was I like was applying to jobs all this winter and it was fucking miserable. But it's bleak out there. Oh, shit. It is terrible. (laughs) It is. I would not wish applying to jobs on my worst enemy. And I know that everyone is applying to jobs right now. So I feel bad for everybody. (laughs) Um, Been there. No, I I read one of the one of the podcasts I produce is this like women in business thing. So I feel like I'm consuming a lot of like business stats. (laughs) But one thing that one of the hosts brought up is something like 65% of the labor force is job seeking right now. Sick. I mean, I haven't had a gig in like a month and a half and I'm starting to get a little restless and worried because usually it's fine. Like, yeah, from like last September through June, I was flat out, like so crazy busy. And then it kind of all like dried up and I'm, it'll come back. But like, I'm just like, where's everybody? That's so weird. (laughs) That's so weird. And so you've been a freelancer for years, right? Yeah. I've been freelancing for since 2013. Wow. And you've been feeling like, is, is it like a steady strip of, drip of gigs or is it more the like first like f- five years it was pretty dicey you mm-hmm. know it was and I had one uh client that when I first moved to New York so I started freelancing in 2013 I moved to New York in 2014 and when when I was in Boston still before I moved here I was freelancing but then I was also like waiting tables because like I didn't have enough uh clients to yeah. support me I moved here and I like worked at a production company for like a couple, like six months, but it was like contract. I wasn't an employee. They were just like paying me a weekly rate kind of like under the table. Yep. Uh, (laughs) uh, And then after that, I like worked at another production company for a number of years. 
basically full time. But again, it was like they were just paying me a weekly rate. So it wasn't like a real like I wasn't like a salaried employee. Yeah. And I took other gigs on the side of that. Like mm-hmm. I took a lot of freelance on the side of that. And then after that, um, I just like really hustled and like the connections I had made doing those jobs with those two production companies and like just sort of built up my client list. Yeah. And then it, it started it started to snowball and like become very like solid in about 2017. Yeah. 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 Like beginning of 2017 was when I stopped working at like any like sort of full-time in-house stuff Mm -hmm. and I've just been like project to project since then and it's been mostly good I mean like last year I didn't have anything going on from like March and through through uh August but then end of August it picked back up and then I was insanely busy from like November through June but then I haven't done almost anything since like late June. <laughs> I've had like a couple of small like one day gigs or like a couple right. of editing things. But so, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's my journey. Drips and, drips and drops. No, it yeah. seems like I am now just like starting that for the first time. Because even though I've been sort of doing freelancing stuff for the last I don't know three years on the side, I've always been technically on salary at the tutoring company. Yeah. And now that safety net, it's like a small salary, not like a full time salary, but. Right now, that safety net is like going away. Um, yeah, but you know, I do like the. Uh, I do like the idea. I wonder if you like this too. Like the idea of like the more I try, the more I get. Like the harder yeah. I work, the more. It, like one of the things that always bothered me about being on salary, and the whole reason I'm a freelancer in general is because my job uh, before that I worked in events and marketing Mm -hmm. and I was working like 90 hour weeks and still getting my like same salary and I like did the math and it was like less than minimum wage and I was making like 50 grand a year in Boston in like 2012 so that's like a decent salary but when you like and you're like oh shit this is like twelve dollars an hour when you like right when you do, do the, the math, math on how many hours you're working i was like no no no. like yeah. i want to get paid for every hour that i'm working yeah <laughs> i think that's it and i think there's an element of like i also especially now that everything's remote it's nice to be able to be like cool on tuesday i'm gonna do work for four different clients and they're gonna think they have me for the time they have me but i'm gonna be able to like knock so much more out or it's, like it's the best thing in like, the world. Last night I finished a script, finished writing a script while I was watching You've Got Mail. And I was like, this is the life. Like you can just <laughs> do things on your own time. It really is. It's it's I find it so I don't think I've worked a nine to five, like butt in chair office job since 2012. Yeah, basically the same. Yeah. Um I well, I guess like I did those in-house things, which was like, but it was production. So, right. so was, you're like, you know, it was nine to eight. Uh, <laughs> See, that's toxic. That's yeah. a red flag. Um, but uh, I do find that that flexibility and uh, makes me more creative and also makes me more engaged with with whatever it is I'm, that I'm doing. Yeah. Do you find that like kind of the ability to do things on your own time and in your own way? A hundred percent. And I also find that like. Thing I learned about myself in the pandemic is I am more productive the busier I am right mm-hmm. so if you Same. T- if you Same. tell me right it's just like I have an hour to do this thing it's getting done in an hour if I have eight hours to do it it's gonna take the whole eight hours there's just yeah. no like on days when I am scheduled back to back I actually end up being like oh I actually got this big project done 
Or yeah. when I'm like, today I'm setting out a whole day to write act one of my pilot. Nope. It gets written between 10 p.m. and 11 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what happens. I'm like thinking about it and getting a snack. And like, hey, yeah. No. Yeah. I'm, it's, it is so interesting to me. Like when I have one thing to do today, right? That one thing is not getting done. Yeah. When I have 20 things to do, all 20 of those things are getting Every done. single goddamn one. <laughs> I also find, and here's a question that I actually have for you. I find that when I am busy, the sort of double-edged sort of that coin. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's a bunch of metaphors. The in double-edged one. sort of that coin. <laughs> you know. I like that. I'm hey. going to name the episode that. Perfect. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, so the double-edged sort of that coin is um, uh, that I feel like, I prioritize the work that I'm getting paid for and the work that I'm doing for other people over mm-hmm. my own creative projects. Same. I do do that. Which is so but hard. You gotta live. You gotta feed um, yourself. You gotta <laughs> live. But then I'm also like, oh, it's been three weeks since I've done this thing that I told myself I would do. And it's just hard to balance, I find. How do you feel when you um when you have a creative project that's your own project and then like you're kind of psyched on it at first, but then the longer it drags on, you're like, resentful of it do you ever get that because i get that a lot 100 percent, 100 percent. especially if i've been kind of like plugging away uh-huh. at a thing that i'm like i'm addressing your notes and i don't know what more you want me to do yeah like that dynamic i just get tired of something i also feel like a thing that i have stolen from someone from cameron mccall um oh, is cameron. She, she's great she records mm-hmm. note sessions like in a voice memo yeah. And so then even if it's been weeks, she can like listen back to like that, which is so, so, so helpful. Taking notes from a note session. If you do it in a week. Great. Yeah. But actually being able to like rehear the conversation. That's good. That's that I feel like perks up my enthusiasm. I'm like, oh, right. Here were the things I was excited about. Here was the note that I couldn't hear in the moment because I was I had my head up mass about that thing. Yeah. But now that I can hear it with fresh ears, I understand what it's saying and what I need to do. Yeah, that's that's really smart. Actually, I'm going to start doing that. She's the genius. Yeah, (laughs) I am. I have like I've been really thinking about recently that I need to like be better about, especially now that we're like sort of siloed and not like in a writer's room right now is like asking people for like feedback and be like, hey, can you read my thing? Because like I think I've gotten kind of bogged down with like just kind of being siloed. And I. I can't work a single. It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> My brain doesn't work unless there are other brains asking me questions about it. Like it just Same. straight up doesn't work. Same. Oh my God. Do you want to start a writing group? <laughs> I mean, maybe we happened? should. I feel like we should. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's just like the feedback loop of like, I wrote this thing and I like, it's like any writer one, right? You come in with mm-hmm. something where you're like, mm, does this make sense? And yeah. then hearing either laughter or crickets tells you like, oh, okay, now I know what to do with it. But like, yeah. I feel like writing by myself, I feel like I can't get outside of myself enough. Yeah. Because it you especially I feel like, and this is kind of like a male idea, but there's this mm-hmm. sort of like picture of like the auteur, right? The right. guy who's just like, way with a glass of whiskey. Exactly. Like, or like fucking, I don't know, Martin Scorsese, right? Like, right. Like just people going off and like creating and making a thing and then doing it all themselves. Yeah. And like sometimes that works, but I feel like women A aren't allowed to do it. And also like I don't like that way of working. So I, don't, I really I find don't. It useless. I, I, don't. I like even directing when you're like kind of, you know, if you wanted to be, you could be like, 
only the things that I want to do are what we're going to do. I hate that. Right. Because then I it's think not, because I've worked with directors like that before and it's awful. Right. And you can also see, especially if it's something with actors, you can see them deflate when their mm-hmm. ideas like aren't taken into account. Yeah. I, I think actors are geniuses. And I think like as a director, particularly a stage director, like mm-hmm. your job is actor doula or performance doula. Your job is to like help them do the thing they need to do to put it on stage. And it's in their body. So like no matter if you think the line reading should be that way, if that doesn't make sense in their body. Great. Yeah. Fuck it. Doesn't matter. It's not going to work. Yeah. It's so I get so in my head about that directing because um, I in almost every situation where I like make a decision on set, for example, I'm like, all right, here's what I think. Like, here's what. I think we should do, let's try this. We'll do it once. And especially for like, you know, when you can do multiple takes. And then after that, I'm like, all right, like I'll ask the actors, like, what did you think? Do you want to do it a different way? I'll ask the DP. I'm like, what do you think? Do you like, should we do it differently? Like, do you have any ideas? Yeah. And I always feel like, am I uh, not doing my job and just asking other people to do my job for me? Or is that collaboration? And I feel like it's collaboration, but I, I get in my head. You I know. know. I, and I think that's, again, like, like we can't win right like if you're not the dominant group everything you're doing is always wrong at all times yeah um but i i I think to me that's that sounds like collaboration right yeah i I mean it it is collaboration but i get like bogged in my head about like you know know, oh like but here's the thing if you are that person who doesn't collaborate right isn't the doula for ideas out of the people on your team one you select the people on your team because you like their ideas exactly right exactly. <laughs> um but so if you're not that person and you only want your vision and then it's like say it comes out bad exactly. like that's all you yeah. like you fucked it up yeah. <laughs> and i also think part of it like it, it almost seems like people who are that controlling it comes from a place of like i want it to be good and i only trust myself Yes. And I think it's that lack of trust that like, if you only trust yourself, then you're not a creative. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. Yeah. Also, yeah, it is just very much of like you hire good people because you trust and respect their work. Like you, you cast these actors because you like what they do. (laughs) Exactly. You get these like this crew because you like what they do. Like, why would you not let them just do what they do. (laughs) I forget who some theater director I was reading an interview with and they were basically like, yeah, my job is to get the right people in the room and then take all the credit. I mean, basically, that's that's what it is, right? Because like, like you said, like you hired these actors because you think they're geniuses. You hired this DP, you hired this designer because you like what they do and you liked maybe their pitch for the project or you just like their brain and want to see what they can do with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I really appreciate that. I feel like we have a similar vibe on, on collaboration. Yeah. Also, I, I don't know. I feel like, you know, no one is that big of a genius. That's the thing. You know, I'm sorry. Yeah. Even if you really asked like Scorsese or something. Yeah. He has a DP that he's been working with for 30 something years. He's been working with Thelma for fucking yeah. forever. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like it's people just give him all the credit. That's exactly what you just said. <laughs> exactly. And I, and I think the, the best sort of thing people are that I look up to are the people like Tina Fey who are quick mm-hmm. to be like, actually look at this wonderful yeah. room of people. Like I, yeah. I cannot take all the credit. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so interesting to think about like, like the work of what it means to be a director and then also mm-hmm. the work of what it means to lead the room. 
And I think yeah. they're very, they're related, but totally different skill sets. And I've worked with some brilliant, like artistic directors mm-hmm. who can't run a room that yeah. actually provides a good, a safe space to do good work or like a generative space. It's such a, I've also had my, one of my first bosses when I moved to New York and worked at a production company, he was a, an incredibly toxic person. He was, a, he was an incredible editor and a pretty good director, but like every single person that wor- was working on the sets was just sad and angry the whole time because of the way that they were being treated. That sucks. But yeah, it was like through experiences like that, uh, like I definitely like kind of made like a promise to myself to like try to do better yeah. by like the people that I was working with. Cause why would you want to treat people like that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a hundred percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you like, are you, how are you finding? So now like your, your nine to five is creative. Like you're doing the podcast producing and writing uh, for that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, on the, you know, your five to nine <laughs> is uh, like you're, you're directing sketch, you're writing some of your own stuff. Um, yeah. Do you find that like you're, you know, the whole day much more creatively fulfilled than you were when you had like the tutoring job? Because I know like some people are like your day job should be something that's just mindless and it's fun and easy so that you can focus all your stuff on your creative. Yeah. At, at night. But I actually never really felt that way. Yeah. I mean, so the, I think the the truthful answer is like, I don't know yet. Like it still feels like it's pretty up in the air. And I'm like, yeah. especially a lot of a lot of my clients were on hiatus over the summer. So things are picking up in the fall and I'm like newly figuring out the balance. But like, yeah. I just got to the point where I was like, my brain is so numb during the day. That can't be good for me as a creative yeah, person. That's how I felt when <laughs> like, I was working like jobs that were kind of mindless during the day. Yeah. And it got to the point where like the tutoring thing sure was maybe intellectually stimulating at the beginning because I was like, oh, I have to relearn algebra like that. That'll light up my brain a little bit. <laughs> but by the time you're <laughs> nine years in. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, firing away. <laughs> um, but by the time you're like nine years into a day job. Yeah, it's like I can do this in my sleep. Like I'm not even paying attention anymore. Yeah, and I just felt like parts of my brain were atrophying, <laughs> and so like part of the all the algebra was slipping back <laughs> down into the depths of exactly. your spinal cord, and I was just like so <laughs> less like what is the goal of the question? Um, <laughs> ugh. But like, and look, like there were things about the job that were fine, but it yeah. just got to the point where I was like, even if it does get in the way of my own creative stuff, like. Something's got to give. Something has to change. Yeah. I, I can't like my brain. I am not happy yeah. in this way. And then the other thing that I was sort of thinking is like, look, like worst case, like I am still a writer. I'm still going to be doing that stuff for as long as I find it fulfilling. But like mm-hmm. on the very large chance that something doesn't pan out because everything is like luck. Right. Right. Yeah. Then I'm working at a career career that is fulfilling and there is a career path for it. There is yeah. growth there that's also artistic. That, which feels nice. I am a hundred percent on board with that. Yeah. Like I'm just so like, I have that same thought. Like I feel like as long as I'm like being challenged to, you know, write a script. Yeah, sure. It's a script for a client and sure we're selling toothpaste and it's like, they want it to be a little funny. Like, but I, <laughs> I like love that <laughs> a little funny, you know, but like, I'm not, you know, it's not like my, my friggin' Mona Lisa, but it is like a little bit of a challenge. It gets the juices flowing. Yeah. I try to think of like a lot of that type of work as like my sort of warm up work 
to keep me like stretched out and limber for when I'm trying to work on my own stuff. Exactly. And it also like, I don't know, I feel like so right now, one of the a, a pilot I wrote last year, two years ago. Oh, my God, what is time? Um, <laughs> we're trying to like package it and sell it as an audio drama. And now I'm like, oh, oh I cool. actually have expertise that works. Like I'm building skills that yeah. are not useless, that are cool, that are like, I don't know, useful yeah. and interesting. That is so also like there's there's a we don't know what's going to happen with the industry and like podcasting is just kind of like expanding in a way that like, yeah, like your pilot that you wrote for the screen, it could now, and you know what? A sale is a sale. Getting a show on the air, regardless of it's the, you know, audio airwaves or the TV right. airwaves, it's, it's, it's still a win. It's something out there, right? Yeah. It's something that's yeah. like cool and interesting in mind. I don't know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mm. Um, Another friggin' <laughs> fire truck is going on. Siren break. Oh, man. I, uh, I used to be very spoiled because my old apartment, I moved in here in December, but my old apartment I lived in, I had, like, a dedicated closet in the middle of my apartment that was, like, no windows near it, and I, like, made it into a sound booth. That's awesome. Um, and I do, I built a sound booth in my new apartment for all my VO stuff, but I have to stand up in it, so it's only good for recording, like, performance stuff but like yeah. if i'm sitting and having a convo like i wouldn't want to stand for the whole hour that we're talking totally <laughs> just like sitting at my desk it's really fun. <laughs> yeah in my new uh, apartment i'm trying to figure out where i can make a sort of like sound cage yeah <laughs> at the very I, least something that's absorbent behind the mic yeah i got like these panels for the walls and then i got a couple of curtains mm-hmm. and made like a bathtub uh <laughs> like sound curtain thing. cool yeah that's really it works hey whatever um, works <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so just to sort of wrap up here, I guess, like, are, have you, oh, wait, actually, let me format my thought for a second, because we're just jumping back in after siren break here. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, what, like, excites you about, like, the new challenges of sort of, like, collaborating with, not collaborating, like, like, blending your new podcasting work Uh, that you've been doing freelance and like having a more leadership role in podcasting with like your directing and your writing stuff. Like, is there anything like particularly exciting or challenging for you, like moving forward that you're really kind of buzzing about? Yeah, I think the thing that has been the biggest learning experience is how much of being a podcast producer is about being good at structuring story. Yeah, it like blew me away a little bit um, because you know, like especially one of the shows I work on, which is called Unladylike, which is like more produced and less chat casty. Yeah. Um, it's you get like two hours worth of tape from two interviews and you have to like cut it down and write VO and structure it. So it makes sense mm-hmm. as a compelling 35 minute piece. Yeah. And it's just such a cool exercise. It's almost like one of my roommates is a documentary editor and yeah. it almost feels similar to that kind of thing. Yeah. Because you're like, oh, cool. Like, what's my in? What's my cold open? What's the, Mm -hmm. where do I want to build to? What's my ending tape? And it's so it's, it's been amazing and sort of complimentary to my other work to realize how much of this is actually about storytelling, which is a skill set that I've been building extracurricularly this whole time. Hugely. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've worked as an editor a lot and specifically as a story editor, um, for like a number of years Mm -hmm. and, um, 
It is. Yeah. And I found with working on podcast stuff, although mine, this podcast particularly is a little bit more chatty. Mm -hmm. It is about like sort of like just clipping out and formatting things in a certain way. And um, and yeah, it it really is like that is my favorite part about everything that we do. Like, yeah, the reason I feel like, you know, you're multidisciplined artist. I am as well. Most of the people that I talk to for this podcast are. I think the reason that we are able to like be multidiscipline is because it's the story is what it's really about. Yeah. And that is all communicated through, you know, the the performance, the direction, the writing, even the editing, you know? Exactly. Um, And it's really exciting. Yeah, it's cool. I know like it feels so cheesy to be like, I'm a storyteller. It is like, so cheesy. I know. I hate it. And I yet, have written on my website and I hate that I do. Same. And like there was a while where someone was like, maybe change it to like teller of stories. And I said, that's worse. <laughs> um, so much worse. It is worse. I mean, like, it's, but there's no good way. There's no other good sort of like overarching way to describe it. And that's what it is. It's like, yeah, I'm good. We are good at distilling big things into something followable and interesting and compelling hopefully 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 that's the goal just a little funny like that (laughs) commercial i do think maybe you should uh start calling yourself a troubadour Ooh, that's not cheesy at all no and then i can (laughs) bonus and then i can get one of those like little rigs with a harmonica on it to keep oh yeah and like a hat with a feather uh all right i feel like this (laughs) rebrand is gonna be good for me I think so, too. I look forward to your your next pivot into Troubadour. Oh, my God. And thank you so much for the idea. I will give you full credit. Um, well, thank you so much yeah. for, for chatting with me. This has been such a lovely conversation. And also to talk to another sort of writer, producer, director. Yeah. Um, which I really haven't chatted with anyone like that in a while it's just like oh it makes me feel good yeah and I'm so this was such a fun chat I'm so glad to find that we have so much more in common with the way our brains work and yeah I, even seriously, knew. I think I think we are we're kindred yeah we're, we're brain twins oh, um, love. honestly let's start a writing group I'm very in <laughs> I need motivation Michelle. <laughs> Angela, you have no idea I'm like maybe I'll open this pdf from oh no I haven't opened it since June I have a a pilot that I've been writing since 2017. Oh, no, dude. I I wrote it all the way and then I put it away for like two years. And then I re I like redlined it to shit, rewrote it. Then I redlined that. Then I put that away for like six months. Then I redlined that to shit and I rewrote it. But then I condensed everything to the first two acts. And now I have to write the whole third act again. And I have an outline. Yep. But I have not. I did the outline last fall. And it's just still sitting there with an empty third act. Can I show you? (laughs) This is my outline for my work in progress. Ooh, window outline. (laughs) And it is faded because that's a faded big thing because... (laughs) I have not touched it in <laughs> What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Hey, it's all a process. As long as you're doing something, it's We're a trying. win. We're out here. We're trying. We can but try. We're only out here trying. Just simply trying so hard all the time. Literally can't stop trying. Just trying so hard. Anyway, (laughs) thank you, Michelle, for speaking with me. It was a lovely conversation. I really appreciated you coming on the podcast. It was just great. 
If you want to follow Michelle, you can follow her on Twitter at Michelle underscore OB. That's Michelle with one L at M-I-C-H-E-L-E underscore OB. And hey, if you're over there on Twitter and you want to follow me too, I'm at Ange Pal. I have more episodes coming for you down the pipeline in season two, the season of the swerve. So please like, subscribe, follow whatever the button says on your podcast app. I'd really appreciate it if you followed the podcast. And if you have a second, I'd really, really appreciate it if you could rate and review. It would mean the world to me and also would really help me out. So thank you for doing that. Uh, We'll have a new episode for you out next week uh, with more swerves coming at you. But until then, I've been Angela Palladino. This has been You Gotta Have a Podcast. And I guess I'll just talk to you next week. Later. Later.